Hi, this is NJ and welcome to the African Podcast, an initiative by WeTracker. WeTracker is a digital platform that publishes stories from the African startup ecosystem. In a new podcast series, How I Raised My Seed Round, I will be talking to founders in Africa to understand the problems they are solving and how do they tackle external funding. Fundraising is both strategic and challenging, no matter how well you have developed your product. In our first episode, I am talking to Yinka Adewale, founder and CEO of Kudi, a fintech startup in Nigeria. Kudi was founded in 2017 and has raised $7.3 million to date. So holding no more, let's straight away dive into my conversation with Yinka. Hi Yinka, welcome to the first episode of How I Raised My Seed Money. Coming to the first question, what problem is Kudi solving on the African continent? Kudi started in middle of 2016. That was when I first had the idea of building um, a payment company in Nigeria that would sort of um, make more people have access to digital payments. Mm-hmm. And how I came about that was I had already been working in payments, actually. I'd been in the payments industry for at least about three to four years before then. Uh, I had had internships at payment processing companies before. So I kind of already understood all the players in this space. Um, I, I knew the the role of the banks, the role of the payment gateways, the role of the switch and all of those things. And so because of that, I could already spot some inefficiencies that was, that was in the industry generally. So it was just one day, I think I was taking a walk in the evening and I said to myself that we have a lot of all these big payment companies actually, but we still have a lot of transactions happening in cash. And that's because a huge amount of people actually don't have access to these technologies. And the whole idea behind Kudi is how do we make the regular Nigerian that is not so sophisticated, um, that might not be able to use a smartphone, or that might not be able to use a very, um, a very like super clean application to make payments. How can these guys be able to make their own digital payments? And so, so that was the thesis. And it took about six months actually to get from conceptualizing the idea to something we could ship out. Um, so I think we started around like August 2016, and our first customers were able to onboard. That was early January 2017. So in that six month period. I had to talk to a couple of banks because in Nigeria, again, uh, because fintech is a or financial services generally is a regulated industry. Mm-hmm. So you had to get a bank, bank partner. So I went to talk to a couple of commercial banks, uh, made my presentation to them, got a couple of banks on board. Uh, then I had to find payment processors that were able to, that would allow me onboard customers' banking details to be able to charge accounts or credit accounts and all of those things. So it took about six months to do the groundwork of even analyzing the markets, figuring out what's where in the markets we can start from, what our ideal customer would be, and then setting up all the partnerships that we needed to get on the ground. So in six months, we're able to do all of that and then we're live after six months. The fintech space on the continent is pretty crowded. Uh, how is Kudi different from other payment facilitation startups here in Africa? Initially, our first um, iteration actually was a chatbot um, for people to easily just send a message to Kudi on Facebook Messenger. Mm-hmm. And 
it, it would it would do the transactions for them so what we did differently in the early days was that we realized that chat was the easiest way for nigerians to use technology uh, most nigerians the only form of technology they understood was text messaging so they could either send text to their family and friends or they could use messaging applications so what we did differently was we were the first payment company in nigeria to leverage chat interface for transactions so if you had money in your kudi account you could buy a time you could pay bills you could transfer money by just sending a message to kudi and kudi walks you through the steps for performing mm-hmm. the transaction so that that was what we did differently because myself and my co-founder we both have technical backgrounds so the challenge most people have when they are building tech startups is the fact that they need to pay software engineers so for us it was quite easy because we could write the code that was necessary for building the the application so we didn't have that much initial cost i had the only cost we had was that we needed someone to intern with us in helping us work on content um, for the chatbots and a couple of pro- marketing promotions that we wanted to push out but that, that didn't come as a very expensive as, as a very expensive thing because we found someone that was willing to join the team and she was even going to do it for free so uh, but either ways we still had a few costs so what myself and my co-founder did was that every month so my co-founder had a full-time job at that mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. and i also had um i was making some money by just doing a couple of uh, tech consulting for for people monthly so i had some income as well so we decided to set out about 300 a month um together to fund the startup and all our cost was actually 300 a month so for the first six months our cost was 300 every month and we're splitting that into 150 150 each so and because bulk of our cost would have been software engineering costs which we could do ourselves so yeah. we didn't need a lot of money of starting the business actually okay okay so when did you decide that uh, now is the time that we should actually open our startup for external funding when did that need arise see we raised um i think about 1.4 million dollars there about like 1.5 million there about from kosla ventures uh, a couple of 4dx ventures ventures platform which is based in nigeria yeah yeah uh, and we also had a bunch of angel investors in the US that invested between 50 and 200,000 in the company so so that so that was between YC and Partech yes so this was immediately after YC uh, we started fundraising for our seed round and so the guys from Kosla Ventures first came in with a 500k investment and they followed up with $400,000 a couple of months after So okay so it, and this of course I'm uh, assuming that this was because of your networking and uh, you know your effect from YC Yes yes it was I I I ran into Binod Kosla at Y Investor Day at uh, at Demo Day in YC and we had a chat they went to their office after like a couple of meetings we closed the check from them yeah so it oh, was okay. the YC check yeah Hiring is a key problem and all the startups including us face a high attrition rate as well as a challenge in finding the right talent. Once you raised capital, what was the hiring strategy that you guys adopted? Hiring is something I'm still figuring out to be honest. Um, okay. <laughs> it, 
in the early days, uh, things were still very, I think hiring uh, gets tougher as you go along because in the early days, people actually join you because they believe in what you're trying to do, uh, especially when you don't have, when you're paying below the market rate. So you typically get one of your, some of your best hires as your first um, first 10 employees. Uh, they are people that actually join you because they really like you and they believe in your mission and mm-hmm. they would probably have gotten paid uh, better elsewhere and they still would choose you. So mm-hmm. some of the best hires are actually the first 10 hires um, that could be made. But as you go along the line, when you can now actually afford to pay market rates or slightly above market rates, you, if you're not careful, you're actually going to get diluted. You're going to dilute the quality of employees you have because now people can join you not because they really like what you're doing, but because they just want to be part of this new cool. Maybe you just raise funding and then you're the new coolest kid on the block and everybody mm-hmm. wants to be associated with the next funded startup or because they're just looking for better opportunities. I don't think it's bad for people to look for better opportunities anyway, but you want to be able to balance that with... Um, with people who buy into vision. Exactly. So one of so what, what, what we've done, um, or one of the things we still do today is, so we have a process for hiring. Um, so the first thing is defining what the job that needs to get done or the problem we need to get solved. So that, that has to be documented. So which either comes from myself or my co-founder, then we probably would have like a three stage uh, stages of hiring, which is the first one is just like a phone call, having a chat with this person, uh, just getting to meet them and getting to see if um, if they if our vision s- seems like something that they would be interested in or something that they've thought of, something a problem they really want to solve. And the next one is if they scale through that stage, we bring them in house, we give them the problem that we, we think that we want to solve and just ask them to provide solutions or it might even be a different problem entirely. We just want to see their thinking process around how to go about solving that problem. Yeah. And, and and the last stage sometimes would be if we do like a, a one day, you know, just working with the team. So that we get to meet them and we want to be sure that okay these guys are they fit into our culture because culture is a huge part of what we're building we wouldn't want to bring um, anyone that would make the environment toxic for for the other team members so but over the months we've kind of put more process into hiring in the early days there was a lot of randomness um it was easy to just say oh i need this person and someone just sends you a cv and you're like okay the person can start on monday and then the person comes in on Monday. And most times in the early days, because the startup is not growing that um, that fast anyway, we're, we're still figuring stuff out. So it's easy for people to take their time, learn on the job and become better. But these days, um, startups typically, or like Kudi, for example, doesn't really have that much patience for people to learn on the job. So you kind of want people that can start killing it immediately they get in. As per you, what are the indicators of a successful business? One of the things I say to myself and to my team really is that um, growth is the evidence of life. Um, For a startup, one of the most important things is growth, actually. You need to keep growing pretty fast because that's that's the only advantage you have as a startup. Like the things that we're doing, banks can also do it. But the thing is that the banks are big 
and they're very slow so if we're not growing fast it doesn't justify why well then we shouldn't even be a business because um, there's nothing that we can we don't have many advantages as opposed to speed uh, so growth is the most important thing and the other thing is i need to be able to to actually hire the best people to solve this problem so that means that so for me it's growth capital and team so if you have in, if you have good numbers and growth i'll be able to raise enough capital to keep growing the business and i also then i will also be able to afford to hire some of the smartest people in the market to focus on these problems so i feel like once those three things are in sync growth mm -hmm. capital and team i would be able to achieve my dreams thank you yinka for talking to us today i'm sure your fundraising experience will help fellow founders learn a few tricks so that's all we have for today's episode. We will be back with another one next week. For any suggestions or to feature any favorite startup of yours in this series, please reach out to us at editor at wetracker.com. It's bye for now. Stay tuned for the next episode. Thank you. <laughs>